Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to those of you joining us online. We're so glad that you are here, wherever you are. And I know that God has something special to say to each and every one of us. My name is Chad Myers. I'm our adult discipleship director. And we have had such a beautiful service already from Go Tell It on the Mountain to the baptisms. Congratulations, families, and to your children. Uh, it's exciting to have uh, to see the gift of children enter into the covenant community and that we get to nurture each other in the faith. We are in our series, Mary and Bright, or Who's Marrying Bryce? Either one works. I prefer the latter, just for fun. Glad to be here this morning. I know that I don't need a scarf, but it's bright and it makes me merry, okay? I've seen a Santa hat. I love it. Keep it up. I've seen some not-so-ugly Christmas sweaters, and I've seen some ugly Christmas sweaters. It's a compliment to you. In this series, we have talked about the hope of Advent and the birth of Christ. And last week, Pastor Trevor talked about the joy of Advent at the birth of Christ, and he did a phenomenal job. If you haven't listened to that, you'll wanna go back. If you're needing a little joy, a little joy fix, you're gonna wanna go back and you're gonna wanna listen to that. But he did say the one thing that steals his joy during this season is picking out the Christmas tree. Picking out the real Christmas tree, he doesn't even know I'm talking to him right now. Picking out the real Christmas tree and finding the perfect one and spinning it around until, yeah, it steals your joy, but hey, one word for you, man, fake tree. <laughs> fake tree, that's for free, all right? Take it to the bank, it'll work. They even put lights on them for you these days. It's fantastic, all right? Today, I would like to add to the conversation and talk about the peace that Christ brings at Advent, the peace of Christ. Uh, there was a recent study, 2022, some of the most stressful things about this season. I'm sure that you could add some of your own, the most stressful things about this season. And one of them was this, people get stressed out about the weight that they're gonna put on during the holidays. Let me just give you a Christmas present right now from me to you. This is my gift to you as a congregation. Scratch that one off your stress list, okay? Because if you aren't putting on a few LBs during the holidays, then I don't think you've celebrated properly, okay? So yes, pile on the potato salad and give me another Christmas cookie. That's what January 1's for, right? You join a gym for a couple weeks and then the pounds go away magically. It's fantastic. Another thing that stresses people out is, will we have enough money to last us through December? You know, like, did you already take out a loan for some more Christmas presents or to pay the mortgage? Yep. Um, another thing that stresses people out is pleasing everyone. Which family are we gonna go to? Are we gonna see them for Christmas Eve? We're we gonna have two Christmas Eves. We're we gonna have a Christmas Eve Eve, and we're we gonna have Christmas Day, two Christmas Days, and everybody's a little bit stressed trying to please everyone. The number one thing that hit home for somebody that stresses people out during this season is buying presents. Did we get the right present for mom? Did we get the right present for dad? This is a reminder too, all right? You got a week. You better, you better get on it, all right? Uh, did we get the right present for little Johnny? I don't know why Johnny's always little, but he is. Little Johnny. Did we get, he wakes you up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, I think I got them the wrong thing. They're gonna hate it and I'm not gonna be at peace anymore. These things stress us out. We need a little peace at Christmas. There are over 700 verses in the Bible about peace. So I thought for our sermon this morning, we could slowly read through all of them <laughs> and learn from what God has to say to us. Do you like the Bible? Come on. 
One of the most famous ones, Linus reads it. He quotes Luke and Luke is quoting an angel. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The people of God are meant to be a people of peace. The people of God are meant to be a people of peace. And we have been given through the incarnation at Christmas time, the peace of Christ. Now, here's my working definition for the peace of Christ. It's receiving and giving God's calm stability in the midst of the world's chaotic instability. I'll say it again. Receiving and giving God's calm stability in the midst of the world's chaotic instability. You see, in our Advent prayer, uh, it was even said that peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of chaos. In fact, if you need those things to have peace and you have a deep-seated need to have no conflict and no chaos to have peace, then I would argue you're never gonna have peace. And maybe in that search, you might actually harm some people on your search for peace. So peace of Christ has to be in the midst of the world's chaotic instability, in the midst of that chaos, and even in the midst of conflict. Listen, listen to this, this, this uh, statistic from the International Society on Law in London. It states that during the last 4,000 years, there have been only 200, 268 years of peace in spite good peace treaties with good intentions. In the last three centuries, there have been 286 wars on the continent of Europe alone. We need the peace of Christ and it starts in our hearts. Where does violence come from? It starts in our hearts. Where does oppression come from? It starts in our hearts. We need the peace of Christ to rule and reign in and through us. Isaiah prophesied like this in Isaiah chapter nine, six through seven. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. It's authoritative. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now this is less like the therapy that we might receive from God, although God is arguably a perfect therapist. This counsel is more of a war table, a counsel that gives advice on military strategy on how to advance against the enemy. Not the enemy of humanity, but the enemy that God fights against, the principalities and powers of the air who want to disturb the peace that he comes to bring. That type of wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. This was the promise all the way back in Genesis. Someone will come through the line of humanity who will crush the serpent's head. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, people scoff at this. You say, the great hope you have. You say, the thing that you guys get together and celebrate is the birth of a child? That's going to bring healing? That's going to bring hope? That's going to bring love? That's going to bring peace? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my favorite German theologians. He did ministry in the midst of violence and chaos in the Nazi regime. And just a f he loved Christmas too, so I love that about him. Just a few years before he was in prison in a, a camp, 
he wrote this Christmas in 1940. This is about the birth of a child, not the astonishing work of a strong man, not the bold discovery of a wise man, not of the pious work of a saint. It is really beyond all our understanding. The birth of a child shall bring about the great change, shall bring to all mankind salvation and deliverance. And whenever we forget that, the peace of Christmas creeps in and surprises us, and we see children around a candle reading an advent and whispering a prayer, amen. And then it reminds us, oh yes, there is the mystery of the manger in a child. It is the gift of children with their light and their innocence and their hunger for life. And it is this birth of a humble God in the form of a fragile baby who will bring peace. Today, I'd like to help us get in step with the reign of the Prince of Peace. I'd like to talk about three types of people and three kinds of peace. Three types of people and three kinds of peace. Which one of the persons are we and how do we grow in, in peace? And briefly, I'll talk about the three types of people. The first one is this, peace takers. Peace takers. Um, the Grinch is a peacetaker, right? He did not like that the Who's celebrated Christmas. He did not like that the Who's were happy. He did not like that the Who's sang, or for that matter, that they had something to sing about. The Grinch did not like that the Who's celebrated. The Grinch did not like that the Who's were at peace. And from the uh, recent versions of the Grinch, we know that the Grinch was actually working out some unresolved childhood issues and projecting them onto the Who's, but he nevertheless sought to steal or take the peace that they were experiencing. And this is, very, this is a very difficult reality for me to accept, but I've come to learn to try to accept it lately that there are people in this fallen and broken world who cannot handle others being at peace. They don't like it. They don't like it when you're celebrated. They don't like it when you're applauded. They don't like it when you're happy. They don't like it when you're joyful. They don't like it when you sing. They don't join in the crowd when you're getting the promotion and the attaboys and the girls. They're not applauding you. They can't handle it. And so they take the peace. They're peace takers. They think maybe if they take the peace or they disturb your peace, it makes them feel better. It makes them feel bigger. It maybe answers some insecurity they've been longing for or maybe some deep-seated identity challenge, but they take the peace, all right? The next one is peacekeepers. You're like, oh, I don't want to be a peacetaker. What about peacekeeper? That sounds nice. Well, well, let me define it first. Then you may not want to be the peacekeeper either, okay? Just hold on. We got peacetakers. We got peacekeepers. The Romans were peacekeepers. The Romans were peacekeepers. Through the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, they used military might and violence to conquer other nations around them. And they kept the Pax Romana, they kept the peace by force and coercion with the strength of their military boot, the heel of that boot pressed strong on the neck of those who they captured. They kept the peace. But at what cost? They used control. They used coercion. 
Maybe peacekeepers use compromise. You know, the Jewish people, when they were conquered by Rome, Rome said this, you know what? You can have your own little like state and your own little government under our rule, of course, and you can even have your own religion so long as you follow a couple rules. You have to pay taxes and your religion can't get too out of hand. That's why when Jesus comes on the scene with his ministry and it starts to get a little bit of national attention, the Jewish leaders come and they make a meeting and they say, we've got to silence this guy or else what? Rome's going to come and take away our religion. And peacekeepers want to compromise. You know what? We can just, uh, you know, we'll keep it down a little bit. We'll turn our faith down a little bit to keep the peace. Maybe peacekeepers are people pleasers. I can relate to that a little bit. I want to keep the peace. The peacekeepers are people pleasers. Like, I don't really want to, I want to insert my opinion here. I don't want to rock the boat. I won't tell you what I really think. And peacekeepers go along and then they go along and then they stuff it and they put it under the Christmas tree and they put it in a box and they put it in a suitcase and they stuff it and they stuff it and they stuff it until you've seen it. Peacekeepers aren't keeping the peace at some point. They explode. And they try to keep the peace so much that they push it down and they please you and they try to please you and they try to make everybody happy, but they're not living honestly out loud and so they don't keep the peace anymore. We've seen this happen. Maybe within all of us, we have potential to be both peacetakers and peacekeepers at any point in time, but there's a third alternative, a third type of person, and that's the peacemaker. The peacemaker is confident in their convictions, but they're also compassionate. They celebrate others' accomplishments. They lift others up. They don't put others down. They're secure spiritually in who God has made them to be, and so they're happy to celebrate others getting the kudos. They don't need the ego stroke and the ego fix. A peacemaker is confident in who they are and confident in their convictions, and so when the necessary, they share who they are. They share their opinion. They share truth. Matthew 5, 9 says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. The people of God are to be peacemakers. The people of God are to be peacemakers. How do we trend? How do we trend into that? How do we move away from peacetaking and peacekeeping and move into peacemaking? I think we'll need three types of peace in order to get there. The first one is this, we need spiritual peace. We need spiritual peace. We need peace with God. We need peace with God. Spiritual peace is eternal. It's an eternal peace. It's a peace that lasts forever. And spiritual peace is the answer to the problem of separation from God. You see, when, when, when humanity fell in Genesis chapter three, there were four, four pieces broken. There was the peace between God and humanity that was broken. There was the peace between humanity and humanity that was broken. There was the peace between humanity and the earth or the ground that was broken. Cursed is the ground because of you. That was broken. There was the peace between humanity and self. That was broken. These four shaloms, these four peace, those were shattered. And so God in his great rescue mission is putting all of these back together. And it starts with peace with God. We need spiritual peace. Romans 5, 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right, made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. You can underline that. We have peace with God because of what 
Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. You can also underline that or highlight it or mark it on your phone. Has done for us. Pastor Jeff often teaches our new members class and there's a great point he comes to in the new members class when he's presenting the good news of Jesus and he says, I can sum up religion in one word, do. And I can sum up Christianity in one word, done. You see, all of religion is really a self-salvation project where we're trying to do more spiritual things. And maybe if I just do a lot of spiritual activity and go to church enough and I'm generous enough and I'm kind enough and I just work really hard at unpacking my past and I just be a better version of myself and I can just work really hard at doing all these things. You know what trying that hard gets you? It gets you really tired. That's religion. Do. Christianity says done. Jesus did it. All the ways we're trying to atone for our own sins and our own guilt, Jesus atoned for that. Jesus healed that. All the way we're trying to achieve significance and trying to say, look at me, I'm worth something. No, in Jesus, we're worth, we're worth something. We have purpose. All the ways that we're trying to fix ourselves, it's been done on our behalf. Since we've been made right, we have peace with God. Do you have spiritual peace? Do you have peace with God? Because our sins separate us from God and God doesn't want to be separated from humanity. It's not in his heart to do it. He wants to be in union with humanity. He loves people. He made us. He loves every single one of us and he pursues us no matter the separation. You may remember where you were Friday, March 13th, 2020. Saturday, March 14th, 2020. You may remember where you were because that was when rumors began to start, murmuring began to happen, news began to come out. We don't know what's going on, but we may be on the verge of a global pandemic. Things may be shut down. Uh, things could be closed. I remember where we were, me and my lovely wife, Courtney. Also, also, she's singing up here, by the way, and I just gotta compliment her on that killer outfit. She sings beautiful. She looks beautiful. That outfit was fire. It may have outfit my outfit, if you know what I'm saying. You like that one? That's for you. It was very well done. Wonderful job. Where was I? Okay, I got lost talking about my wife. Oh, yes, we were both here. Courtney and I were both here that weekend. It was my third time to come and preach at Mount Horeb, and we were on the third series of interviews uh, in order to come here and take this position. And we were here, and all four of our children, 14, 12, 10, and 8, they don't have names, just numbers, 14, 12, 10, and 8, they were back in Missouri. My parents had come in from Texas to take care of them, and... Even on that Saturday, we don't know if you're going to preach in the room, Chad. You might be preaching to a camera. You might be, you know, we might cancel everything. You might preach to a room, maybe a full crowd. We don't even know. Maybe half the people, we're not sure. But all in the back of my mind was, okay, well, we got to, whatever we do, um, in my mind, we're separated from our kids, and I don't like that. And there were even rumors about the borders of states closing. And so, no offense to you, you're wonderful people and all good things, but we wanted to get home to our children. So after we preached, we were kind of panicking, like, hey, is this going to happen? Are we able to get there? Thankfully, uh, we were able to board a plane that next day and get home. But it was this aching. That's what separation does when you love someone. It causes an ache within you when you're told you can't be around these people. You're separated from them. It breaks your heart. Friends, that is the heart of God for humanity. 
He doesn't want to be separated from people. He loves you. It breaks his heart. When we don't want anything to do with him, we say, I'm going to live my own way. I don't need you. He keeps pursuing us because he wants to make peace. We were at odds with him, and yet he reaches out, sends his son, and said, I'm ready to make peace. Will you have peace? For some of you this morning, you've never received this peace with God. You've never made peace with God. It's something as simple as saying, God, I want to make peace with you. I want your forgiveness. I give you my life. It's just that simple. And then you live your life for him. Now, some of you, you may have prayed that prayer in one way, shape, or form, and you've made peace with God, but you're not experiencing spiritual peace. Listen to this, Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that you had listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. You see, sometimes we may have peace with God, but we're not experiencing spiritual peace because we are out of step with the rhythms of the Prince of Peace. We're doing life our own way. We're not consistently repenting. We're not consistently trusting and obeying. We're not saying, God, I know you forgive me and I know you're working on this. Help me walk in your ways. Not perfectly, but we repent consistently and turn to him. Here's the reality. Without spiritual submission, it's impossible to have spiritual peace. I believe that's true. I believe that's a maxim that's going to be true. It's consistent for us. Without spiritual submission, it's impossible to have spiritual peace. So the answer for the separation is we yield our lives to God. And then we have peace with him. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Once we have peace with God, then we can receive the peace of God. You could call this peace by prepositions for you grammar geeks, if you will. Once we have peace with God, then we receive the peace of God. And the peace of God is an internal peace. We need a spiritual peace, but we need an emotional peace. We need an emotional peace. If a spiritual peace is eternal and it answers the question of separation, then emotional peace is internal and it answers the question of being overstressed. Anyone overstressed? We all know we need a little bit of stress in our life. That's normal. We need some resistance. But I think today many people are overstressed. We're overcooked. We're overbooked. And we're filled with anxiety about trying to accomplish everything or trying to be someone. We put these expectations on ourselves or a culture does and we think we have to abide by it. We often have what I'd like to call this unconscious peace formula. Like it's, it's, it's not subconscious, it's slowly working its way into our daily lives, but we're not often fully aware of it. And this peace formula goes something like this. If, fill in the blank, then I will have peace. What's your fill in the blank? If I can get the promotion, then I will have peace. If I can get out of this job because I hate it and I like to do something else, then I will have peace. If I can get the guy or the girl, then I will have peace. You fill in the blank. What is your peace formula? If then, I will have peace. I have this formula. Uh, in fact, I tried to do this formula this week um, to see if it would work. I thought it would. And mine was this. If I can accomplish and check off my list those things that are seriously stressing me out, 
then I will have peace. Anybody, is that your formula? Like, I will get those things. I will strong arm those things into submission, then I'll have peace. Guess what? I made a plan. I executed that plan. I accomplished that plan. Tuesday and Wednesday, I worked really hard on this formula. If I get those things accomplished, I can check them off my list and I will experience peace. I got those things accomplished and guess what? More things showed up. And I had to make another list of if then. And I wonder if there's a different formula for peace, for internal peace. And it starts with a different word, and it's just one word, and it's since. Too many variables with if then. But what if it's since then? Since Christ, then I will have peace. Now let me, let me dive into this just a little bit. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says this, don't worry about anything. Probably, if we can agree, the most broken command in all of scripture, right? It's not don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't kill, kill, you know, whatever. Don't do that. It's don't worry. Like, oh, broken, broken. And then 10 minutes later, broken. Yep. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. There's that word again. He's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we could understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Then you will experience God's peace, which surpasses understanding. And then his peace, and there's a, there's a military metaphor here going on, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the reality. God promises peace for every personal problem you have. Doesn't say he takes it away. Doesn't say he just fixes it like that. Oh, then I feel good. No, that's a cheap peace. God gives a deep peace. Are oh, you like that? I'm write that down. God promises peace for every personal problem you have. Do you have a worry problem? God has a peace promise. Do you have a financial problem? God has a peace promise. Do you have a guilt over the past problem? God has a peace promise. Do you have a fear of the future problem? God has a peace promise. Do you have a pain problem? God has a peace promise. Do you have an isolation problem? God has a peace promise. Are you insecure? Do you need guidance? Is that your problem? God has a peace of promise and a promise of peace for every problem that we have. Are we preaching? yet. That's the only way we can have a consistent internal peace is if we trust in the promises of God. And he's got one for every problem that arises. It's like he knows what it is to be human or something. But emotional peace is not about more information. Sometimes I think it is. Sometimes I think emotional peace is about more information. If I just read all these spiritual books, if I just put more information in my head and listen to this podcast, if I can just get more knowledge, then I will experience peace. I'm looking for the silver bullet. Where is it? But it's not about more information. Look at what he says here. This type of peace, it actually surpasses understanding. It's not that you're out of your mind. It's that you've moved beyond your mind. 
You see, sometimes we take this and people are going through terrible things and they think, well, I'm supposed to have peace going on. This is a terrible thing. So yes, I am at peace with all of this terrible stuff going on. No, you can have peace in the midst of the terrible stuff going on. You don't have to make peace with all the terrible stuff going on. So sometimes we sound like we're out of our minds as Christians because look, this peace, I can't explain it. It's just crazy. It passes understanding. It's not what it means. It means this. This peace you can't achieve in your mind. You can't achieve by thinking more about it. You can't achieve it by your mental solutions. You can't achieve this peace with the calculative managing mind that is always on saying something like this. I don't know, was it good? Was it bad? Was it right? Was it wrong? How did that go? How did I do? How are you? How are we? How am I? That calculating mind will never give you peace. But when we take some time for reflection, awareness, meditation, we start to become aware that those wheels are turning. We say, ah, okay. And we move beyond our mind. Then we start to experience the peace of God. It's not about more information. Emotional peace is not about the perfect situation, right? It's not about the perfect situation, it's a good sermon for me to preach. I'm glad they gave it to me because I'm a person who needs peace. Uh, in fact, just a few weeks ago, I really had trouble sleeping. I was waking up at 2 a.m., wide awake, like my body energy was just like ready to go. Anybody ever wake up like that? You woke up, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to go. It must be time to get up. Then you look at the clock, you're like, it's not time to get up. So I had trouble sleeping. So after I prayed for all of you and read through the entire Bible, I made my way downstairs <laughs> and I turned on the TV. And thank God, Hallmark Christmas movies are playing at two in the morning. Now, I used to be down. Now, don't judge me, bro. I was having a hard week. I used to be down on Hallmark Christmas movies, right? I was like, oh my goodness, Hallmark Christmas movies, they're so cheesy. But man, they do really help you feel better about life, even, it's even if it's fake. And then at 4 a.m., there's another one coming on. But by 4 a.m., I already felt better. So I was like, I can go back to sleep. Thank you, God, for Hallmark Christmas movies. And the Hallmark Christmas movies, I think people like them because they always work out. And the conflict is like this big. It's like, whoa, did you feel that? They almost had an argument. <laughs> they actually tricked me once, you know, in the first Hallmark Christmas movie I watched. I get three quarters of the way through and I didn't realize they did this, but they make you think that the guy and the girl aren't actually gonna get together. And they had this little conflict and I went into sheer panic. And I was like, no. It has to work out. And then they got me, like it worked out. It always works out and I felt a little bit silly. So now I've finished three of the 149 Hallmark Christmas movies. Some of you've watched all of them. If only life would get in step with Hallmark, right? If only life would just get with the program. Like, our business is going bankrupt. It's supposed to work out. Like I flew home and I went through this messy divorce and then I met this childhood friend. It's supposed to work out. This is all supposed to come together. Life, don't you know? And life just doesn't seem to cooperate. Life doesn't work out like that. And Hallmark movies, hear me, Christmas that is, I haven't seen any other ones, maybe find a watch but they're not actually helpful for the health of the soul. Listen to this. Dan Allender, the absence of tumult 
more than its presence is an enemy of the soul. God meets you in your weakness, not in your strength. He comforts those who mourn, not those who live above desperation. He reveals himself more often in darkness than in the happy moments of life. Nothing wrong with enjoying a hallmark moment, but if we try to make our life like that, we will kill our soul. Our soul was meant to go through trials and challenges. It was meant to press into God for a greater purpose, not meant to leave us in the comfort trap. And God often shows up, at least in my experience, this is true, shows up more in the darker moments of life than in the highlight reels. So it is possible to trust in God's promise of peace for our problems, even when there is chaos all around. We safeguard that little place of God within our hearts, even as the world may not be cooperating with our expectations. We need a spiritual peace. We need an emotional peace. And then I have one more. Once we have peace with God, we receive the peace of God, and then we extend peace for God. We need relational peace. We need spiritual peace. That's an eternal peace. It answers the question of separation. We need emotional peace. That's an internal peace. It answers the question of being overstressed. And we need relational peace. It's an external peace. It answers the question of strife. How many Christmas movies do we often see where the main plot in the story is an estranged couple, an estranged family, something a father said to a son, something a wife said to a husband, and they've taken that and they've let that chasm grow and it's turned into bitterness and hardness. And yet the story is trying to get us to see that at the birth of Christ, peace is the point. Peace is the goal. It's peace that brings unity and peace that binds us together. In the Anglican tradition and in other Christian traditions, they have something in the worship service that's called a passing of the peace. It actually happens after they confess sins and then they have a forgiveness of sin statement and then they enter into what they call passing of the peace and it's where people turn to each other and they pass peace to each other to say this, we've made peace with God we received the peace of God, and now we, we want to extend peace for God. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be upon you and also upon you. We are a webbed community, and when one of us suffer, all of us suffer, and when one of us struggle, all of us struggle. So to seek the flourishing of the other is actually to seek the flourishing of our own calling. And we pursue this peace but the reality is this, we may not be at peace with everyone, but our hearts can be ready for it. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. We live in a fallen and broken world where there's hatred, there's jealousy, there's strife, there's gossip, there's slander, there's violence, physical, verbal, there's silence. But as far as it depends upon us, 
we can have hearts that are ready to make peace, ready to extend peace, ready to forgive, ready to seek forgiveness, to offer a kind word, to extend compassion. In order to do that, we have to listen well to the other. I think I've said this before in here, me and my wife were both music majors in college and she sings and I don't sing a lot, I do more of this stuff. And, um, but last night we were both invited to sing at the classic Christmas musical and so we sang a duet over there. She took lead and I took uh, backup. I was harmonizing with her. And one of the things that you hear, uh, we were both trained professionally, one of the things that you hear all the time is you need to sing with your ears. And I know that may sound funny. You're thinking, well, I don't know a lot about singing, but don't you sing with your mouth? Yeah, you sing with your mouth, but if you're going to sing with anyone else and you're going to sing with anyone else well, you have to listen to their voice and you have to try to blend, to be in rhythm with them, to match their intonation. And God wants us to live our lives and sing in such a way that we, our song is actually in step of unity and complementing the other. But in order to do that, we can't just sing with our mouths. We have to sing with our ears. We have to seek to understand before seeking to be understood. We have to be curious about who you are and what your story is and how did you come to these conclusions. We have to be ready to make peace, not take peace and not fake peace. Be truthful and be honest about who we are. But how could we ever know if it's possible unless we're seeking to pass on the peace of God? There's a 2005 movie there's a French movie called Joyeux Noël. I don't know French, but if you lay on the accent pretty thick, nobody usually questions you. Joyeux Noël, Merry Christmas, is based on World War I, based on a true story where the French, the Germans, and the English were entrenched in warfare, and they were killing each other, but it was coming upon Christmas. Coming upon Christmas Eve, and on Christmas Eve, they wanted to take some time on their own to celebrate, or to pause at least, and one trench started singing. And in that singing, it began to lift their spirits. And other trenches started singing in their own language and that began to lift their spirits until one brave peacemaker exited the trench with not a weapon, but a small Christmas tree, an olive branch, if you will, singing, O come all ye faithful. Came into no man's land with the Christmas tree. And instead of aiming and taking fire at their enemy, he was met by other peacemakers. And they agreed on an unofficial ceasefire for that evening. They all came together in no man's land and they sang Christmas carols and they wished each other Joya Noel, Frohevina Nachten, and Merry Christmas. They exchanged chocolate, champagne, and photographs of loved ones. They told stories. They even had a Christmas mass. How foolish of us to think that a child can't bring peace. They decided that that day they would also continue the ceasefire for Christmas Day so that they would have time to rest to bury their dead 
and to celebrate Christmas. The peace of Advent is God's calm stability. God's calm stability may be in the midst of warlike experiences. In the midst of chaotic instability, it's receiving and giving the calm stability of the mystery and majesty of a manger. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, our sister, for the neighbor is our brother, our sister, for the father, the mother, the child is our brother, our sister, the employee, the boss is our brother, our sister, and in his name, all oppression shall cease. Let's pray. Gracious God, you're a peacemaker. It's in your heart to make peace. You delight in it. I mean, you talk about it more than 700 times. It's very important to you. And even when we didn't know we were at odds and we didn't know that we were estranged and separated, you pursued peace. And even now, when we're up to our own things and accomplishing our own agenda for our own small kingdoms, you pursue peace. You love us. And you extend the olive branch every moment. Help us to trust in you for that peace. That some of us here, we're so internally overwhelmed. We feel so lost and numb. Not exactly sure how to navigate life or these relationships that we actually care about or these holidays. Would you shine a bright light and remind us of your promises to care for us, to lead us, to guide us, to provide for us, to strengthen us, to empower us, to comfort us in our grief. Remind us of your promises. And Father, I pray if there's any relational strife and we know that we could do something about it, even at the risk of heartache, may we be peacemakers. May your peace rest upon us this Advent season. May your peace go in and through us as we go about our daily lives. For the sake of Christ, we pray, amen.